really. Okay. I want to tell you a story this morning. Maybe we could even call it a confession of sorts. You're, you're in the next few weeks when I preach, you're, you're going to hear some things about me that uh, you may raise an eyebrow as to whether you think I'm the right person to be standing up here or not. A few months back, we were in Florida for a funeral, but as we always do <clears throat> when we're there, my wife and I try to see as many of our old church folks as, as we can. We have one couple that had a place in the same park that we were in before we sold ours down there that we were really, really good friends with. We had done a lot of things in other aspects of life with them and and just enjoyed their company. But Lonnie is a retired Methodist pastor. And he'd oftentimes, we would compare notes on sermons and and things like this. He's been writing a book on prayer that he's asked me to kind of edit along with some other friends of his. But Lonnie had a, a pretty severe stroke last year. He, was, he has called on me, though, on occasion, needing someone to talk to, to, to more or less just talk him down from a bout of depression or uncertainty in his life. He and I are a lot alike in some ways. Y'all would like Lonnie. He's a good guy. We both give everything that we have when it comes to doing things that we believe in. There's no... Fifty percent. It, it, it's it's all the way or, or nothing at all. Anyway, we had dinner with them the night before we came home. Uh, Lonnie's an excellent chef and, and he loves to cook. He wants to know weeks ahead of time when we're coming uh, what might be on our palates for that particular night, and it doesn't really matter. He's going to fix what he wants to anyway. <laughs> After dinner, though, the four of us would kind of clear everything off, and then we'd go into their living room. And we'd sit down, and we would talk. Each one of us, all four of us, would talk about what's going on in our lives. The the main theme of, of that particular time is how are you doing in life? As many of you all know, I, I'm very heavily involved with denominational work for the ARP church. Some are more on a local level in our presbytery and some on a more widespread level on the synod level. Um, Even with uh, the chaplains of the United States military as well, which I take great honor in, in being a part of that group too. I was telling Lonnie about some of the things that we're involved in and especially some of the difficulties that we were experiencing in the church and we're experiencing right now. My wife is involved in this as well for she is the treasurer of women's ministries of the ARP church. So we're on one particular committee together. That happens to involve stewardship within the church overall. Basically, how we as the church are spending our money within our agencies and in other aspects of the denomination. As I was talking about without knowing it, I I kept getting more and more tense, as I usually do when I start talking about this stuff. Lonnie, in his infinite wisdom, picked up on that. As I was talking more and more rapidly, he stops me. And and just to make sure he was picking up on what I was saying and maybe to slow me down a little bit as well, he repeated a bit of what I spewed out to him. Then he wanted to know if he got it right. And I, yeah, yeah, you got it right. And then he asked me a question that stopped me dead in my tracks. Buzzy, let me ask you a question. 
Are you serving God or are you serving the church? Well, I answered, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Not what I asked, he said. He's very blunt too. Not what I asked. Listen to the question again. Are you serving God or are you serving the church? Think about it because it doesn't sound to me like you're doing it the right way either way. As the old saying goes, you could have knocked me over with a feather right about then. I hadn't stopped long enough to be able to hear anybody else ever say anything like that to me as directly as Lonnie did. Look at our reading for this morning. Now let me paraphrase it for you. Don't store up treasures on earth. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If you're seeing right, much good can come from what you do. If you're not, not much good is going to be done in this world. Nobody can serve two masters. You can't serve God and then fill in the blank. I know what our scriptural reading says. It says God and money, does it not? My question to you this morning is is I've had to ask myself over and over again is if you're not completely serving God in all that you do, in all that you are, who and what is the other God or gods in your life? Is it a God du jour, a God of that particular day and then on to something else? Do you get so caught up in the problems of the day, in activities of the day or your week, or even doing good things in the name of the church? that you forget about who you should be living for and living for Him all the day through. That was exactly what I had done. I was so caught up in church work, I forgot who I should have been attempting to glorify in the whole process. I was so caught up in trying to get the problems taken care of for the church, I forgot who I should have been leaning on and giving all my problems up to, knowing that He would provide exactly what I needed to get me through my difficulties and through my joys. Because believe me, serving the church is is not always joyless. There's a great deal of joy in serving the people of the church. That's the long and short of Matthew 6, 19-24 in my opinion. So let's look a little bit closer at this passage. If you go back and you look at these verses again, you're going to see two of several things, okay? For example, verses 19 and 20, two treasures. 21 through 23, two visions. Verse 24, two masters. Verses 19 and 20 are then saying that we shouldn't accumulate any kind of wealth, right? Classically, we see that this passage concerning our financial giving, or at least our finances, do we, that's what this particular verse or verses look like, do they not? The two treasures we see here are treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. We might oftentimes hear a sermon on this topic during times of the budgeting process during the year. In the first couple of verses, Jesus was actually using examples of that day and time to get his point across. And that was a tactic that he commonly used because there were so many things right there that the people understood. And they they might be walking along and somebody might ask him a question. 
uh, master, rabbi, what is, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And they may be walking along. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, that fig tree over there. Or that wall over there. Or whatever the case may be. But that's how he would teach. That was his teaching method and it was very effective for that day. In that way, those folks could get, uh, heard the lesson, could understand what he was saying a little bit easier. seems that the accumulation of precious metals and cloth were often how, um, how personal wealth was gauged back then. Jesus alludes to this in verse 19. Yet because of the weather, the sandy Palestinian climate could wreak havoc on cloth and metal deteriorating quite rapidly. So you'd better be extremely careful with the riches that you had, with, with all of the things that you might have in your possession. Any wealth accumulation would have to be safeguarded, perhaps even above life itself. On top of that, consider the life expectancy in that day. To live to be 40 or 45 was considered old. I've got shoes that old just about. I've waited to say that for a long time. I don't really have shoes, but it sounds good, okay? (laughs) If given the opportunity, your wealth could actually shorten your life back then. Think about that. Of course, it could now, too. What an incentive to get rich back then, huh? Get rich, die young. Mm, Not sure I want that. Yet here was another dilemma for those folks roughly 2,000 years ago. Christians of that day were encouraged to give so that widows, orphans, and the poor could be taken care of. But you see, that, that thought, that concept actually goes well beyond the time of Jesus, okay? That goes back throughout history, throughout in, in the, uh, the time of Israel and all, from, from many thousands of years previous uh, to that. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 where they'd be promised where they had promised to give out of their wealth to the church to help the widows and the poor and the orphans. They held a portion back from God that they had promised and they both lied about that. Both were struck dead. Why? Because they had lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit. So if they were committed to the cause of Christ and giving is part of what we are to do, there is a heavy burden right there, is it not? One passage of Scripture that bothered me as a young person was Mark 10, 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Is that statement not terrifying to you? It is to me. I've heard it said that if we have a single dollar in our pocket at this moment, we are richer than over half of the rest of the world. Now you think about that. When you say you ain't got a dime to your name and you ain't rich, you think about that, okay? What's being said here is that we as Christians must be known as generous Towards God's kingdom work. Is it wrong then to work towards nice things for you and your family? Things like box seats at the ball game, nice car in the driveway, anything like that. 1 Timothy 4.4 says that everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if if it is received with thanksgiving. On the other hand... 
Remember that by accumulating wealth here on earth, we're not giving our lives a lasting value. So there has to be a straight and narrow path along that narrow way. If we've committed certain blessings to the Lord, remember to follow through with those commitments, okay? And I think every one of us in this room today should make a commitment to God's work here at Hill City Church. But let's complicate the situation a little bit. You remember my example to start with concerning losing track of who I was to serve, God, rather than the business of the church. Had nothing to do with money there, did it? Not at all. Let's take it a little bit further. What about our knowledge of the Scriptures? How about our love for Jesus? Do we gather those things and simply keep them to ourselves, not willing to share the simple gospel with a dying world? Not giving a simple testimony to a friend or a colleague when they ask you, what's so different about you now? What's caused this sudden change in your attitudes towards life and everything? Go back to Matthew 5, 14 through 16 for a second. We are the light of the world, we're told by Jesus. We are not to hide that light. Rather, we are to let our light so shine before men. Now, if you're not sure about that light, And where it comes from, simply look at John 1, 5. Jesus is the light for us. If he is in us, his light should be shining within us as well. Are we to hide it? What did Jesus say about that? No way, bub. You need to get out there and let that light shine before men. To that end. That's the difference between treasuring what we know about Jesus and his love for us within our hearts. Keeping it locked up here on earth, doing no one any good, as opposed to treasuring these things up in heaven, whereby if we share that light, we are following Jesus' commands and we are sharing to share the gospel with others. That is our way of being able to give our treasures that heavenly Investment, if you will, okay? To that end, our love should be shared as well. What does Matthew twenty-two, thirty-four through 40 tell us? We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Then we're to do what? Translate that love into love for our neighbor as for ourselves. What are we doing when we do both? We are storing our treasures in heaven as well as sharing them on earth. And I think that is the point that Jesus is trying to make here in these first two verses of our reading for today. But then verse 21, it's more or less a barometer for us, I think. I'm going to get really personal here for just a second. Anyone here have an interest in the stock market? Yep, okay. David, you would. (laughs) You're out of this one, okay? (laughs) Any specific stocks that are near and dear to your heart? (laughs) Anyone bought into the crypto coin craze other than myself? How often do you scope out the, the prices daily on those stocks close to your heart and to your pocketbook? 
Remember verse 21, what it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right now, I'm preaching to me, okay? If what I'm saying fits you, you're welcome to listen in. But I imagine I'm just talking to myself right now, right? Do you see the point Jesus is trying to make here, though? If you put your money in worldly things, your heart is likely to follow. God's looking for your heart. That's what He wants. He's looking for disciples who want to invest, not in the worldly things, but in His kingdom. Not in the bank of what's happening now. Verses 22 and 23 simply reiterates what Jesus said in 19 and 20. We could go even as far as to parallel good and bad eyes with a good or bad heart. Two visions, in other words. How do we view what treasures or riches we have? Remember this. If we cannot keep our eyes off of what we have here on earth, how are we ever going to refocus our eyes, our vision on the heavenly? Do we view our riches as something to be hoarded, to be held back, kind of like what Ananias and Sapphira did? Certainly we are to be wise with our finances, with with anything that we deem valuable, no matter what that might be. But there is one key word we might need to add to our spiritual and maybe even financial vocabulary. That word is contentment. We should learn to be content with what we have. Otherwise, our eyes might just go wandering for what could be. Even our heart might go go down the road of what could have been. Verse 24. Remember, two masters, lays it out bluntly. If your treasures rule your life, you're serving the wrong master, Jesus tells us. And look at how black and white Jesus makes this, okay? There's no question You know, you can't interpret this in another way. You will hate the one and you will love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. Is that not harsh on Jesus' part? To have the audacity to say that I can't love my money and love him at the same time. I mean, I believe in God. That's all I need to do, right? Yes, I'm a spiritual person. That makes me okay, right? God's blessed me with so many things in life. He wants me to take care of them, doesn't He? Well, I just don't have the time to take care of all my stuff and then get up on Sunday morning to come and worship. I'm too tired. I don't have enough hours in my day already. God understands that, doesn't He? Or, here's one that's a little bit different. There's so many people who depend on me out there wherever there is. I can't be in two places at once. I have to be with my family. I have to be at my job because I'm not making money if I'm not at work. I have to do this or I have to do that. I have too much to do today to get to church. Be assured, I am not, nor do I I mean to do this, to pick on anyone or on anyone's life or lifestyle on that. I said those things because those those questions 
Those excuses, if you will, have been used by me at one point or another in my life. Just to simply try to soothe my conscience. I'm once again letting you all into who I am. Take notes here, okay? Now, if you ask my wife, she might say, well, you're still that way. You haven't changed a bit, have you? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of see it a little bit differently, but, you know, maybe not. Then again, I guess you have to go back to where we started this morning with my little conversation with Lonnie Clark. I don't know. One thing of twos that I wanted to give you right here at the end, I saved this one for the last. That is, we all have two choices. It, it really ties up what Jesus has told us here in these verses of Scripture this morning. You're simply going to put your wealth, not just your money, in places that interest you, aren't you? Could be money, could be knowledge, could be love. The list here can be as extensive as you want it to be. But the bottom line here this morning is this. As each day of our lives transpire, in in what does our hope lie? Does it lie in whatever wealth of whatever resource you can amass? Or is it in hope? You know, the kind of hope that we can look beyond what this world offers us and know that there is a life waiting for us, an eternal life that is far greater than any riches that this world can offer us. Today, as we consider our treasures and our vision and what those might look like here on earth, I ask you in closing, which of the two masters that can be first in your life, which master are you going to serve? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And yet we are troubled once again by these words.